Hello, welcome to the Living Open podcast for mystics and seekers. I'm your host, Erin. I'm a Philly-based healing artist, and this is a podcast to support your healing journey. Hello, my friends. Welcome to another episode of the Living Open podcast. This week's episode is an interview with Alyssa of Akasha Apothecary on plant medicine, death, and not abandoning yourself. Alyssa uses she, her pronouns, and she's a folk herbalist and facilitator. This was such a human conversation, I feel like, about the really big human things like bravery and fear and trauma and abandoning ourselves and not abandoning ourselves and trust and so much about death and rebirth cycles and seasons and surrender. I really had no idea we were going to get into all of this in this conversation, which I say at the end of the interview, but I'm so glad we did and it felt like just what I needed when we were recording this around the winter solstice and now as I'm sharing it with you a month or so later and I was just re-listening to it to edit it, I was like, yeah, this is still what I need to hear. Um, So I hope this conversation feels supportive for you. We talk about Alyssa's journey with plants, healing, and spirituality, death, complete upheaval, ripping away all that's untrue, the ways that we resist death and gripping to untrue stories, grip to untrue stories, life, death, and rebirth cycles, opening to ancestral layers of loss, embodiment practices for staying with yourself, cultivating self-trust, how to know if you're abandoning yourself, the willow tree, compassion and anger, cultivating safety in yourself to feel rage, integrating spiritual experiences, letting contradiction live within people, staying curious and open, polarized polarized thinking, I'm like, polarized are Polaroid sunglasses? I don't know. I feel like I should edit this out, but I'm not going to. (laughs) Polarized thinking as a fight or flight response. So before we get into the conversation, just a quick reminder that registration is open for Holy, which is a seven-week reclamation circle and support group for ex-religious folks to create community and heal from the impacts of dogmatic religion together. And... When I talk about the impacts of dogmatic religion, I think it can be so different and so similar for everyone, but I think the big things for me have been not knowing how to be myself, not being able to be myself, not trusting myself, not trusting my body, feeling so much shame, feeling like I'm bad and unworthy, making choices centered around what would make me feel like I was lovable and worthy, not necessarily what was really right for the person that I actually am, the me that I really am. Um, And that's just a brief, delightful, delightful overview, a delightful uh, snippet. (laughs) So yeah, if you learned how to not be yourself through dogmatic religion and are on a journey of figuring out how to be your actual self, Underneath all of those layers of all the things I just talked about, trauma and conditioning and ways you learn to cope that don't actually serve you anymore, I really invite you to join us. The link is in the description to learn more and apply. There are spots open and we start on February 1st. Registration closes on the 27th, so this week. Um, And I did get an email asking if I'm gonna run this again later in the year and what I told them and I'll just tell you is I don't know I plan to and theoretically I want to but I also feel a lot changing with my work and my life and structure and time and a lot of different things um so I'm really not sure what's going to be happening later in the year just an FYI so check it out in the description if you want and here is my conversation with Alyssa. And I always like to start the podcast by hearing about your journey. So I'd love to hear whatever you want to share about your journey with plans and with healing and how it's brought you to this moment. Mm. It's been a very long, long, long journey <laughs> with plant medicine and healing. 
Um, I've been blessed enough to grow up here in the Santa Cruz Mountains, and um, I grew up inside of a home that was really tumultuous, and it was just a lot of uh, chaos. And growing up in the redwood trees, they've always been like my refuge, and I've always been like in just deep communion with them. And I <laughs> realize now that. I was making flower essences, but when I was a little girl, you know, I was making like mm-hmm. little flower soups and um, like mud, mud pies that had like little flower decorations on them. I've just always been super deeply connected to, to the land here, specifically yeah. in Santa Cruz Mountains. Um, and growing up here really led to a lot of opportunities to be, to be outside and to stay, um, to stay in that connection. And um, moving through life always with those threads. I I see my relationship with the the trees here, like, um, like being in connection to the mycelial network and like Mm. this constant giving and um, reciprocal relationship of like feedback um, that I've been walking, you know, beneath these trees since I was a little girl and I'm 30 now. So like they know me and I know them Mm. and um, it's just a super sweet relationship that I've cultivated. Um, And yeah. And after high school, my plant medicine journey took me into the cannabis world. Um, and that's where a lot of my hands-on experience with plant medicine started to blossom, um, growing from seed, little baby seed, all the way to, you know, these eight foot cannabis plants and mm-hmm. making medicine with them. And um really seeing the difference that they made in my own life with pain management with through menstrual care um, and just sports injuries and things like that. Like the, the plant just helped so much in tandem with, you know, other herbal medicines that I then realized and started to learn about, you know, tannins and terpenes and all these different profiles and um, like more the Western uh, tradition when it comes to plant medicine, like more like the botany side of things, and really seeing the correlation between like you know lavender and cannabis and rosemary and cannabis, and like how you can put all of these different plants together and they work in this really beautiful synergistic relationship, um, symbiosis really, mm-hmm. and the just like the lines of communication through the plants have been like really potent for me over the last five years, I would say five or six years. And what else about my plant journey? Uh, (laughs) I've done a lot of experimentation with psychedelics, specifically um, psilocybin and ayahuasca medicines, um, which has been weaved into my business as I've reached a more depth and deeper layers of what is being called to come through to be in service to like my deepest medicine with the plants and what I'm here to bring forth into the world. Um, those two, those two teachers have been really, really present for me. Um, and what else? I think, I think that's it for that one. I think. Yeah. It's constant, like, um, I'm always learning. I'm always taking new courses. I'm always Mm. um, going outside in different areas of California to learn the ways of the land. And with the seasons changing and climate change, it's very interesting to witness which um, which plants are coming and going at different times now. Like mm-hmm. Mugwort is staying around a lot longer and she's coming sooner and she's she's staying through deeper into the summer now. Um, and just like witnessing that the ecosystem changes that are happening because there's so much, it's like infinite to, to learn the landscapes and the different plant friends that are here. So, yeah. 
that's making me curious about what the land is like by you right now right now it's it's cold and it's wet and it's it has this it's really dense right now like I feel this really heavy 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 energy after coming off of eclipse season for a little bit um now moving into winter solstice you can really feel that crone energy that's like really super present here right now um death death is here (laughs) yeah yeah I mean death feels really clearly here for me personally this year but also like outside I see it happening like the trees have shed there's nothing I not there's nothing I love more but something I really love is a sunset through winter trees and I've been seeing Mm -hmm. that like the leaves are bare like it's cold and dry here and things are dead and dying and yeah that's just like part of the cycle that happens literally every year but something you mentioned before we got on today um was about death and the art of the complete upheaval and stripping away what's not true and I would love to hear any thoughts you have about those things yes the complete upheaval and the death um I feel like this last year it's been I'm in my Saturn return too, so mm-hmm. <laughs> the gripping has been so real. Uh, yeah. To two things that I don't want to die. And the death process feels to me a lot like surrender, but it feels, it has this like, really dense heavy energetic to it that like really wants to bring you completely like down into the depths of your shadows and only through that surrender down into that dark place can death really happen um and like as human beings I feel like our egos grip to so much story and just so many patterns that we have, you know, accumulated over our lifetimes and our ancestors' lifetimes. And, and now coming into um, this time specifically where we have this really beautiful opportunity to like peel back more layers. Um, I feel like these life death Um, rebirth cycles have been like a lot more violent in a lot of ways Um, and in that violence of like this thing has to go there there's like this nuance and paradox of like this really this need to go really slow Mm. with it all Um, which for me has been really difficult at times I I really want things just to be over. <laughs> I want things just to go quickly and I can feel the death coming and I just want it to be gone. And that's not how it works, right? Like we can see it reflected in the seasons and the trees. First, the leaves start changing colors and then they start changing even more colors and then they start dropping their leaves. And then the rebirth comes but that process is so slow over months and months that this change happens um and i feel like our culture doesn't do us any service with uh the we want everything that we want and we want it right now Uh (laughs) and then even if when we have it we don't want it and we don't we don't trust the process and so we're just like we just grip and i've been deeply in this gripping pattern specifically with loss of material things Mm. where I like build up this resentment um with towards money and like capitalism Mm. and all these these systems right and 
because in the past I haven't given a space for my anger and that that like grief to really take up space and up for to allow like that death process to like really seep through and um for the leaves to change color and to fall away um it's created a lot of tension Mm. and a lot of gripping to stories that that aren't true but they feel really true in the moment right like um and that's where I believe like the the upheaval sometimes can happen just through the universe or through through things that can happen to us right like the relationship that we're in that we know we shouldn't be in that we won't get out of and then this catastrophic thing happens that forces you to let go forces you to see things that you you can't look away from right and that that piece like is the upheaval and then still having to like be tender and like compassionate with yourself through that process it's like uh, it's fascinating to to be curious about yeah (laughs) I mean and bringing curiosity to that process feels beautiful I feel like there's so much medicine in what you're saying about this whole process and even like the slowness of it that you're speaking to I'm thinking like I was telling you that the trees have they're bare now and you're exactly right it takes months there's not going to be any new growth on those trees for literally months Mm -hmm. and that makes me think about I have that same impulse and desire as you for like the death to go like this if it's coming then like okay let's do it and once it's happened like okay let me feel my feelings like this really fast and then I just want to be fine a week later and it's like oh honey it's so cute it's not (laughs) it will never ever be that way yeah and and that's part two right like that reflection in in winter specifically and like that deep crone grandmother medicine of like this is the time to go in and like tend and be at your hearth of your your inner space and like building that fire from within like and transmuting those things takes so much time and Mm -hmm. really being able to cultivate that relationship with yourself um especially during these months like it's so um it just is a mirror to like the feminine as a whole and the spiral path that we are all on as medicine um, women or femme identified people that are walking this wise woman path you're constantly just being led back to yourself and yeah and that life death rebirth cycle and uh yeah I see it as like kind of like um like these layers upon layers upon layers like once you crack through the first layer like that's just Mm -hmm. the beginning and then you have all these other pieces and um opening up to even the ancestral layers of loss especially um during the holidays and for a lot of folks it's a time where people a lot of people can turn towards family some people choose to turn away for whatever reason and um I feel like that's not always spoken to a lot like we're so force we force ourselves to be in this happy holiday mood um for others when it's like I feel like more wholeness being brought to this season of like the spectrum of emotions and what's actually present for people here there is a lot of loss during the holidays for a lot of folks and um yeah just like want to speak to that and really honor the grief the really heavy grief that's present during these months yeah I have a little bit of tears as you're saying that (laughs) I um yeah, this is my first holiday season when my dad's not talking to me and mm-hmm. I am feeling so devastated and sad 
about that and Mm -hmm. Christmas is looking super different for me this year and there's a lot of grief around that for me because I'm not choosing it like it's not my decision it's something that I'm like being forced to surrender to and that surrender space you've been talking about like it's really hard there can be so much pain there Mm. yeah just holding space for you in this moment with your dad and I resonate deeply and see you fully thank you I really appreciate that I'm wondering like as you talk about like cultivating that compassion and that ability to be with yourself like it's intense out here like you know like you talk about like these stories that come up around surrender and all that I'm just wondering if you have any thoughts to share with people who are like okay but when I'm with myself I'm scared of what I find because it's really hard oh yeah I can yeah I can speak to this uh in that (laughs) being sitting with yourself is probably the hardest thing that you can choose to do and a lot of people won't ever choose this path of even beginning to get to know themselves and explore. Um, I have found, I have found different embodiment practices that really help me to stay inside of my body, whether that be um, intuitive rocking or tapping or um, bringing sound like guttural, like sound to the throat. Um, And when the sensations come up and they start to feel like they're too much, speaking to that, like if you're just with yourself or even if you're with a partner, especially I've been noticing that a lot of times it's it's easier for me to be with myself with my emotions, but as soon as I have to be in in intimate relationship and like also hold myself and hold space for someone else, like that's where I start to get really overwhelmed, especially if um, this other person doesn't have a lot of nervous system literacy or, or ability to regulate themselves. Um, it can become too much very quickly. Mm-hmm. And I have learned that really just even being able to speak words to what's going on within your body and like the contradictory nature of all of it, like part of me wants to be here with myself and part of me fucking doesn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and part of me fucking hates it here on earth and I want to get beamed up. Like part of me loves my job. Part of me hates my parents for what they did to me. Like um, one of my teachers, Chrissy uh, Marie, she teaches about living full spectrum and she has taught me that practice of it's called airing out in the house. And it's like, she describes it as each part of you, when you speak words to it, it's like opening up a window mm-hmm. and letting and letting it out. And it creates a, a sense of wholeness where I tend to spiral into catastrophic thinking, all or nothing thinking. Yeah. Um, there are certain parts of myself that are really attached and addicted almost to states of anxiety. Mm -hmm. And so if I don't allow for integration of and contradiction and paradox for all these other parts of me that are present, um, I can get, I can start to shame spiral really, really quickly. Um, And, and the beautiful part about nervous system literacy and just becoming more aware is that it builds on itself, right? Like, the more you can hold yourself in container and expand your range, the next time that you are expanded in that way, you're starting to cultivate Mm self-trust. And then your system is going to 
allow you to have a bigger container now to be able to express more fully, to be able to be in more intimate relationship because it's not going to feel so like scary and um, self-abandoning in a lot of ways. Like there's a lot of self-abandonment that comes with not having an awareness of your nervous system um, because you're constantly, in my experience, I've been constantly trying to co-regulate with people, places, and things that mirror stories from my childhood that aren't actually conducive for my growth or what I want to, the person that I want to be. Yeah. When you say that, I'm so, I have so many thoughts about self-abandonment. And I think one of the things I've realized this year is like how far I had gotten from myself and how much I had been abandoning myself without realizing it. And I think that's something that really scared the shit out of me because I really didn't know I was doing it. And I feel like I have a much deeper understanding now and like more trust that I won't do that again and get that far away again. But I'm wondering if you have thoughts about like, how do you know if you're abandoning yourself? Like, how do you know that mm. what's happening? I think it can be confusing. Mm, it can be confusing because I feel like for me specifically, because I have these threads of abandonment wounds that sometimes it can manifest itself in this mirror in somebody else that end up abandoning me but it's actually like this thread of me abandoning myself right mm-hmm. and what that can look and feel like is really being able to identify when that part of like your your wounded inner child is like here hold me and hold all my stuff to people that are emotionally unavailable to people that you're the deeper part of you that's like I know this is the wrong thing and you Mm -hmm. choose to do it anyway um it's it's a it's a feeling of overriding your system and then being out of your range like putting yourself self-abandonment okay here's a tangible example right knowing that you going and being with your family on the holidays is going to cause so much upheaval in your life personally that it's going to take you weeks and weeks and weeks to like come back down. And self-abandonment would be like, oh, well, my cousin's baby's in town, so I'm just going to go and like muster up the courage to be able to do this thing. And then you get there and it all devolves into chaos. And you're like, I can't believe I did this to myself again. Mm. That's self-abandonment. And like... um, or going back to a back past relationship or that's, you know, is done. That's has all these toxic traits to them and you continuously choose to go backwards, not backwards, but continue down that spiral path and being continuously, you're going to run into yourself again. (laughs) And so (laughs) you're always going to be right there. Um, and what I've noticed in my own healing journey has been like the times when I'm so afraid of somebody else abandoning me, it's really like these inner child parts of me that are like, please don't leave me Mm because I can see and feel that you're about to do this thing (laughs) that's going to take you really outside of my range and my inability to like stay present. Um, And when I say things like out of my range or staying present, um, there's a a polyvagal chart that will show you like when you're able to be in connection in the green zone and then you start to move into fight or flight in the yellow zone and then the dorsal vagal up at the top, which is like, you know, shame spiraling, shutting down, like that really uh, fawning that can be that type of response. So when you get out of your range is when you start to go up into those other states of the nervous system where you're not able to be in connection. And that's where the stories come in, um, where you get into fight or flight anxiety states, Um, and your brain literally starts to shut off compartments of itself so that it can stay in survival mode. 
And so, and there, there's nuance there in that the survival mode of you not wanting to be abandoned can also create abandonment, self-abandonment, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, I want to survive. I want to survive. So I'm going to keep replaying the story from childhood that tells you that you're not lovable because if you get hurt right now, who knows what could happen, you know? And, but really like the deeper part of you may need and your inner child may need you to just hold them or rock with them or take a walk with them in nature or paint a picture or scream or allow yourself to like fully have a tantrum and like fall out. Mm. You might need that. And then like coming back and revisiting. And I feel like speaking again to like the slowness, right? Like I feel like in our culture, specifically in American culture, we really want conflict specifically, which is to be resolved immediately. And we want these threads of things to be like, here they are, they're present. Okay, we better make sure that they're all perfect and put back together in their place so that they can just leave. And sometimes it's not like that. Sometimes it's messy for a long time. And sometimes it takes a long time to peel back the layers to even like see those inner child parts, right? Like a lot of people walk around in the world letting their inner child joyride their car through life and then forever, forever. And uh, so really like starting to see those different pieces of yourself in your waking life and really paying attention to your dreams too, Mm -hmm. I think has helped a lot with specifically with self-abandonment wounds. Yeah, I think what you're describing with this process with the inner child, I'm like, that has been so present for me this year. I'm like, as I have been in like the best relationship of my life with someone I'm so in love with, with my inner child is like, "Ah, (laughs) this is not safe. This is terrifying. My inner child is like, this person is going to leave you. So don't keep opening because you're going to get hurt. And you might energy yeah. is like a huge protective response. And I have been deeply in therapy and many other things this year, like working with that self because it's so intense. And it's like when I'm, and I feel it in my body, like the experience mm-hmm. that my inner child is having it is having, it's not like I don't know. It's not like detached or just like mental or linear or anything. It's like, I feel it in my body as if the thing she's afraid is going to happen is happening. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's been so intense and a little unexpectedly intense (laughs) to work with and to hold. Yeah. Yeah. I resonate deeply with everything you're saying. I'm also in a new relationship with Mm -hmm. some folks that I am deeply in love with and that have shown me just so much love and it's been so sweet Mm -hmm. and (laughs) I have been also like unable to hold those really intense parts of my inner child that's like Mm -hmm. get the fuck out of here now and she feels really sensitive to criticism or feedback or any sort of um reflection like she feels really like um defensive about that and protective of my adult self like she wants to keep that part she wants to keep people at a distance Mm -hmm. um and it's been really fascinating to to watch myself do this and to start to like really open to the fear that like really overtakes my body and like really allowing it to like come up and moving it out, which I think is another piece of like the, like the alchemy that's possible when you deepen into your body and start to like really feel the things that can come, come up and move through 
um, I've recently been doing this, this willow ceremony that has come through mm-hmm. with rage and compassion and the willow tree, like this just grandmother spirit that's like, no, all of this is present and all of this needs to be felt and moved and um, guiding other people through this and witnessing women touch their anger and their rage for the first time in their life a lot of times. And I can feel it when I'm holding space for them and just seeing their own opening happen um, has been really beautiful. And it's, that's our power. Mm. Yeah. And so much in our culture and we see it so often, it's like men, male bodied people have specifically white men have, um, their rage and their anger is acceptable everywhere and anywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they can be mad at whoever, whenever, express it to the world, get people fired, do all of these things, right? And they're also protected at the highest levels of everything yeah. to be able to um, manipulate and do all these things, right? Um, and with women, we have to be a little bit more like we have a lot of good girl conditioning where <laughs> we don't want to be seen, especially women of color don't want to be seen as angry or crazy or um, full of rage or any of these quote unquote negative emotions. Um, but it actually cuts you off from the place that's deep within you, your yoni, your womb, your heart, your throat, that channel is power and when you block it it starts to leak out and all of these other like (laughs) I don't really like using the terms like dark or light or like good or bad but they have attributes of backdooring right like Mm -hmm. they have this it's like road rage right like (laughs) these people have nothing to do with like what you have going on (laughs) getting enraged to the point of violence at someone that you don't even know is a lot like because we don't allow ourselves these containers to be able to go fully in and so it's like fuck that guy fuck that girl fuck my mom fuck all these people right Mm -hmm. and it's like what our bodies and our systems are really asking for are to turn towards all of that, the the vastness that is that rage and that anger that lives within us. And the reason the compassion is tandemed with that is because it's so compassionate to allow yourself that space to express Mm -hmm. in that way. It's not compassionate to off-gas your anger on your partner or your your family or your friends or your community that is not compassionate yeah um and the medicine of the willow tree like that spirit just for me really just like opens up that that relationship between those two places that are within us and it's beautiful and yeah. uh yeah yeah <laughs> it's really beautiful I'm so glad you brought this up because I saw that you facilitate the willow ceremony and I wanted to ask you about rage and compassion because the word rage even for me I'm like like something in me feels like it <laughs> loves it and also feels really tight yeah <laughs> and I I'm certain that's because I still have so much work to do around rage and anger because it's really hard for me to access from all those stories that you were saying and all that conditioning. And I guess I'm curious if there's like anything that you've done to like create safety in yourself to be able to feel that. I think there's something about rage for me that feels unsafe. And so it feels really scary to touch if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, I've been working with another teacher, Carla Palomino, inside of her container called Tierra Alma, and I've been inside of that space for over a year now. And her medicine has helped me so much with building the greater range inside of my nervous system to be able to tap into that rage in and it's like that fear that edge that like that happens in your body it's like that's that edge right like you're that's you're like edging when you that's where you know that that's the place that you need to start to deepen into and it's like there's you can give yourself boundaries you can create whatever container you can create whatever container feels safest to you in that moment sometimes it's not safe to fully unleash you know in public for instance not super safe to unleash your rage on random strangers at home giving yourself that container to just punch a pillow for five minutes and just go all in for five, just five minutes, you know, the spaciousness that's created and scream and feeling that and giving your, your inner child or your inner, the parts of you that are afraid, like starting to get curious about what those parts are and what those parts need to be able to allow you to deepen into those places, um, which for me has looked like a lot of plant allies, like teas and things like that, that I work with uh, in tandem with rage rituals. I work a lot with like cacao, hawthorn, um, rose is another one I work a lot with when I'm working with rage practices because I feel like they just have this really beautiful ability to hold um, rose. I just, we have like a deep love affair that we've had for many, many years and I love her so much. Um, But she is really beautiful to work with when starting to deepen into these places because she's the embodiment of the feminine, right? Like the, the rose and her beauty also has these deadly thorns that, some species of rose carries uh, this like toxin in it that can actually cause a really gnarly infection and like kill you. I did not know that. Same for women. Like (laughs) (laughs) we are so beautiful and soft and open and we carry these thorns in us that we will cut you if you get too close or come at us in a way that does not feel safe. We're like, absolutely not. Right. Like, um another thing well let's I'll finish this part but uh yeah and so I work with Rose a lot just calling on the spirit of her um laying a rose on my body doing a rose uh massage or giving myself uh, a bath a salt bath or a self-massage like bringing my own touch to my body and like really creating that safe container for myself and then opening, right? Like, and then the, the integration piece, I think isn't always talked about. Um, For me, when I hold containers, I'm very strict about the integrate after um, aftercare and integration piece that comes um, because I feel like a lot of times our natural inclination to because we're just so wired to go so quickly can be like, Oh, I went to the ceremony. It was so cool. I had such a big opening and now I'm on my phone all night. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) And there I am again, scrolling through Instagram um, or I'm, I'm calling one of my friends right after the ceremony to talk to them for two hours to tell them all about this beautiful experience that I had and it's like that you're just giving away and parking all this power into places where like you can you can hold all of that within yourself and that medicine that just has opened within you and staying with it as long as you possibly can without having to 
give your opening to something or someone else. Mm. Yeah, I think that's something that in my pre-COVID life was so helpful about going on retreat, which I've done a few times, is like having that integration piece built in and Mm -hmm. having like, I already have intentions around being on my phone and not and being alone and processing with other people. And like, it's like a space that's built for that. And it's a lot harder for me to hold that container on my own because of like Mm -hmm. everything you're saying, there's just like distractions. I'm like, it's hard to be with ourselves and it would feel good in the moment to like, just get on Instagram or whatever and watch videos. And it's harder to like be with the subtleties and be with what's coming up and continuing to unfold. At least for me, it feels that way, especially if what's coming up is stuff that feels scary or is bringing up like a lot of intense feelings, but that's like, that's part of doing ceremony or that's part of having the experience. Like it doesn't end when the container ends. It's like the whole thing is the experience, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I would like to see more of inside of the, the wellness space and the ceremonial space is that the, um, a little bit more of a focus integration specifically with um, plant medicines um, because you know, taking psilocybin or going on an ayahuasca retreat, like that is literally just the beginning of the opening. That's like, you're just put the keys in the car. <laughs> you haven't even driven yet, you know, and the integration can take months, years, a long time to, to really open to all the things that are present. Um, and yeah, I, So my hope is that as we continue to learn more about about how these plant medicines work with our bodies in a, I feel like a lot of us plant people and intuitives and other folks, like we have an idea, but um, with a lot of this research and things on the Western medicinal side of things, Mm -hmm. it actually brings a lot deeper awareness to like what we need to be doing more as facilitators and having more of a symbiotic relationship with research and these other systems that we have to operate inside of and like having this like deep spiritual connection with the earth and the plants themselves it takes all of it to work together um and and that's like, how many truths can you hold within your being, right? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that feels so present and true for me this year, I think, especially with COVID of just like, mm. I can hold all these multiple truths and I like am deeply grateful for research and science and all those things, but I also want to integrate them with, with my own intuition and with... Um, wellness practices that are beyond like what science is talking about like science isn't going to quantify spirituality and that's okay it doesn't need to like I want to hold it all and use all of that for like caring for self and caring for community Mm -hmm. and not going like all the way to either side of like either one of those things doesn't matter yeah yeah and there's so much value in in both right like Mm -hmm. I myself went down the road of like completely pushing away western medicine and like oh my gosh it's it's so harmful in all these ways which it is but it also (laughs) um life-saving technology life Mm -hmm. like (laughs) for trauma care like there's nothing better Mm my herbs are not going to heal a bullet wound. It's not going to happen. You know what I mean? Like as much as I would wish or hope or whatever, like, and I think, especially in this day and age with social media, like it's really hard to find paradox and nuance and frankly, like contradiction, like just being allowed to live within people like we Mm -hmm. want people to pick one or the other or be this or be that um and if you aren't if you are this then you can't be that and it's like whoa (laughs) whoa 
I don't want to live in that 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 paradigm um, because I think that is the most harmful, and that was the most harmful to me personally and my community was when I had that really polarized thinking um, and echo chambering of, with other folks that don't know. We don't know. Yeah, we don't know. And that's a part of why I called my business Akasha is because after a psychedelic journey and being introduced to the Akashic records and really seeing like we literally know nothing and (laughs) we have access to everything and this like alchemical um wisdom that comes from our ancestors which now you know western medicine is you know starting to see through epigenetics that trauma is passed down so why is it can't wisdom be passed down too you know what I mean Mm. like there's both of those things can be true and I think it's really important to stay curious and stay open and stay continue to expand our range and be um, so be able to be in connection right like that polarized thinking is totally a fight or flight response like and mm-hmm. that's where most people live in survival mode 24 7 yeah and I forget that and I'm like why are you know I'm confused sometimes and then I'm like oh this is where we live in this fight or flight anxiety state where our body literally can't digest food and our brain hemispheres are not connected and not thinking clearly and not communicating because they're so like disconnected from each other. And how can we expect to have even a conversation with two people that are in that, those states of being, it doesn't work. (laughs) That feels so true to how I, how I feel. I think one of my favorite things that I've started saying is just like, I feel able to hold nuance around this and that just feels so good and spacious and just true. Like it just feels literally more true. Like there, I think are so few things in the world that are just like flattened as they are. I think there's so much space for nuance when we're actually open to seeing it that way. And that feels much more like a world that I want to live in and connection I want to create. Yeah. Yeah, I, as plant people, I feel like we have this sp- special um, ability sometimes to, because we see in our in relationship with the biodiversity of the ecosystem around us, and you can see the nuance in the trees, you can see it in the flowers, you can see it in you know, every clover not being the same. And there's then there's like this anomaly of this four leaf clover and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. And it's, you could see that as this magical thing or like, oh, this deformity, like how could this plant, how could they even dare to, to operate outside of this programmed <laughs> position of being like, and um, yeah. We can learn so much. We learn so much from the plants. I'm constantly like just trying to get out of the way and let them do yeah. their thing. I know nothing. Like, <laughs> but the plants always do. Nature always does. <laughs> yeah. And these are our ancestors, you know, like mm. when I was, I took on um, my partners recently, there's this redwood grove that's um, down the street from us. And, and like I was mentioning before, like, I've walked that redwood grove for 23, 24 years. Mm. And just like that oxygen exchange of them and me for so long. And they've been there for so long. Like Mm. how many people that they've seen grow up and grow old. And like, it's just fascinating. And they're so beautiful. I love them so much. Yeah. It's so beautiful. I've been to see the Redwoods once and Mm. it was just incredible. Like I've never seen anything so massive and so wise and 
mm-hmm. it was just a really powerful experience to to be with them. So I'm like a little jealous <laughs> all the time. <laughs> I know. I love them so much. And like it's uh I I see us as human beings, and I describe this a lot in ceremony, is we are like the redwood trees, right? Like we have this, we are these sovereign beings all interconnected underneath in this really beautiful network, um, giving and exchanging with having this reciprocal relationship with the land, with each other, with um, the mycelium that brings nutrients to one tree that really needs it and then brings it somewhere else. And, you know, like, it's just like this really symbiotic relationship um, that, yeah, like, let's be more like them. (laughs) Yeah. And I think we'll be doing a lot better just yeah. in life in general. <laughs> Could not agree more. <laughs> Alyssa, I want to ask you the last question I always ask on the show, which I feel like we've been talking about in these last 10 minutes, but um, it's just what does living open mean to you? What comes up when you hear that? Mm. Living open. Living open to me feels like, yeah, yeah, I guess all the things that we've been talking about, like (laughs) living open feels like living with nuance, living with paradox, living with the contradiction of the human being that you are and like all of these parts of you that want different things at the same time and like just really being able to hold space for all of that and allowing um, being open feels like being able to take up space fully in your body and Mm. in your community and sharing your gifts and also allowing people to see your mess which I think for us is really hard because again of all of our conditioning of good girl and good boy and good family and white picket fence and all these things that we want to just seem all buttoned up when really it's like nope it's a dumpster tire (laughs) it's bad Uh, or it's it just is you know Uh, it might not be bad it just is it just is a mess Um, and the vulnerability and our abilities to allow others to see us in that I think deepens that connection and like Mm -hmm builds that sort of nourishment like between like I feel like part of me softens when I see somebody else in their mess and being able to be vulnerable with me because then I'm just like a little bit softer to my own stuff and like I'm able to hold more compassion for myself um which feels really spacious um yeah I spent a lot of years in my healing in the beginning of my healing journey still in this like sadomasochistic relationship with myself of like just do more just read more books if you just do more then you'll be better like whoa (laughs) why aren't you there yet and like it's just a lot and so being living open feels like just being open to how far you've come and knowing that this healing journey, like the spiral path is forever mm-hmm. for however many lifetimes for however long your lineages have been like, that's how long, you know, yeah. <laughs> that's what uh, living open feels like for me. Thank you so much for sharing. Will mm. you tell people where they can find you and work with you? Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram at Akasha Apothecary and at akashaapothecary.com. Um, if you are in California, in Northern California, keep your eyes peeled. I host um, new moon circles every month, full moon yoni steams. Uh, right now, the willow ceremony is really present and potent. So we are going to keep flowing with this rage and compassion ritual uh and container for as long as it's here so and i'm also offering a willow ceremony uh virtually for any folks that are uh, not in california and would like to work with me one-on-one beautiful thank you so much for being here i feel like 
I had no idea that we were going to talk about all the things we talked about, but I'm so glad we did. And yeah, thank you for sharing your wisdom. Mm -hmm, Of course. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved this episode, please do tap five stars and leave us a nice review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. I appreciate it so, so much. And it's a really lovely way to be in exchange with the show, with an indie podcast. You can check out all the links mentioned in this episode in the description, and I'll be back on Monday with another episode. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss it and stay in touch on Instagram at E-R-Y-N-J underscore or Patreon until then.